かけたまま答えはもう届かなかった溢れた Hello, you're listening to the Talking Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew. I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. Today's episode is our part two of the summer 2018 anime season reviews. Uh, we already took care of, I think, seven total in the last episode. Going to take out seven here and then probably seven or eight next episode as well. So um, quite a bit for us to go through. And we hope everybody enjoys all the reviews that we've done for the summer season, even though every single season we say we're going to cut back on all of them. And we end up reviewing a bunch anyway. So... <laughs> That's how it is. This episode, we're going to be going over Seven Senses, uh, Happy Sugar Life, Engel Moise, Planet With, Cells at Work, One Room, Season 2, and Steins Gate Zero. And I'm pretty sure like two or three of those will probably do a spoiler discussion. I know one for a fact we will be doing a spoiler discussion just because the emotions it caused. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a fun little discussion, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a this is the one when I put together. I didn't realize just how insane this episode might end up turning out to be because of all the discussions that are probably going to come from a lot of this stuff. So it'll be fun, hopefully. I hope so. Or like usual, the things that I think are going to have a lot of discussion don't, <laughs> and things that don't do. So well, I'm I'm thinking that there's not a lot to discuss except for with at least one show is going to be a lot to discuss. But yeah. Um, at least two and a half, maybe, I would say. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's kick things off. Get started with it. Uh, we have Seven Senses of the Reunion, or Shi 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 no Subaru. Uh, this one was streaming on Amazon, ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Lursh. Source is a light novel, and the genres are action, fantasy, game, and sci-fi. And this one follows a group of middle schoolers. They are playing a game called Union. And they're a group of six members who are known as Team Subaru. And this Team Subaru are just known throughout the entire game as being this really strong team that cannot be beat. They're they're the one that go into the dungeon where this big old Ray Gill's trying to take out a boss, and they'll just take it out first and, and upset the guild. And this is partly to do because of their senses. And apparently in this game, everybody has a sense, and they can unlock that sense and that sense is like a special ability that their character has that can do certain things, like give them better strength, uh, summoning capability, manifesting things. Um, specifically within this group, they're kind of trump card and what everybody is kind of 
drawn to throughout this entire series is uh, Asahi. Asahi is a member of their team that has this ability to kind of see what's coming up. Like if an enemy is going to attack, she'll tell them, hey, dodge to the left, and boom, they dodge it because she kind of sees what's coming before it actually does. And so, so it's a very powerful ability, and they kind of use that to their advantage and pretty much win everything. So uh, the sad thing that happens in the show is in while they're still in middle school, very young kids playing this game, uh, and the interesting thing about this game also is that it's kind of like a hardcore, hardcore mode where if you die in the game, your character's, like, deleted then. Like, you can't continue. There's, It's just game over. You're done. And it's a virtual reality game as well because that seems to be the all-in right now with the anime <laughs> storytelling. Uh, and the thing that happens is uh, Haruto is going to take a hit, which Haruto is technically the main character. Haruto is going to take this hit. He's their, their front man. He's a warrior-type character. Uh, he's going to take a hit, and Asahi, the one's able to see the future, sees this is going to happen, and jumps in front of him and takes the hit instead. And her character dies. And they're like, crap, you screwed up, man. You got Asahi killed, whatever. They all log out, and they come to find out she actually died in real life at the same time. And apparently several people have kind of experienced this whole thing. Uh, and that really struck this team, Subaru, Subaru, these kids, these middle schoolers, really hard. Um, they, of course, quit the game. The game itself gets shut down. And then uh, six years later, I think it was six years, yeah, six years later, uh, come to find out, this game is back. Is it? There's, it's rebooted, and it's called Reunion. And pretty much anybody can that was in the previous game can log in and have their character kind of restored. And uh, because his friend, his new friend, not from the team Subaru, uh, Haruto's new friend says, "Hey man, I'm gonna play this new Reunion game. You played it before, didn't you? Come help me out. I want to run a dungeon really quickly." And so he goes in there, and after kind of being dragged into it, goes in there to this dungeon to help his friend out. And come to find out, they find a chest, and you open it up, and boom, there's Asahi, the girl that died in the previous game and died in real life. And they mourned and had her funeral and everything. Her character, still looking the same, is in this world in a chest. And he just opens it up, and there she is. And uh, thus begins this adventure of trying to find out why this dead girl, this dead girl's character is still in the game, this new game. Uh, what are these senses... Can they bring Team Subaru back together? Because Asahi really wants them to all come back together because she literally doesn't even know that time has passed. She's just... The last thing she remembers is getting hit by the monster, and then she woke up in the chest. Um, so trying to figure out, is she really Asahi? Why is she there? She's buried, so where is her body? It, can she log out? What's going on? And... Kind of fighting back because every single person in the game wants Asahi because she has, like, the most overpowered ability in the entire game, and they want to use it for their own guilds and whatnot, so. Yeah. Did you end up catching up on this one? Nope. Okay, I think you. I kind of was one of those ones where I was checking it out and going, okay, well, if I see anything great in here, I'll let Chris know, and I think at some point Chris asked me, and I'm like, No. Not to say that this show is terrible or anything. Don't get me wrong. Let me let me just start from square one. The main reason why I went back and watched this show, because we took out about four episodes of it, and then we kind of did the first impressions and just put it off to the side. And the main reason why I wanted to go back to this show was because my first impressions was that this was an Anahana clone. And that, and that, that rubbed me the wrong way. And it wasn't that I dislike shows taking concepts from other shows and doing it something with it it's just more of those things of like 
are you going to do anything with it, or are you just going to be an Anohana clone? For those who don't know, Anohana is a show about a girl who appears before a boy, and she had technically died several years before, and now he's older, and she's suddenly, her ghost shows up, and they're trying to find out why he's there, or she's there. Everybody's angry at him because he's saying that she's there, and they're like, let her die. She died a long time ago. You're bringing up her ghost. This is not right. And it kind of had the same feeling here because, well, the bigger factor is like when I, I immediately tweeted after watching like one or two episodes of the show, I literally tweeted with the characters from Anohana above the characters from uh, Seven Senses. Uh, you have two girls that are interested in, in two boys who are both interested in one girl. That's Anohana. I'm sorry. Uh, and then there's the third wheel guy who's like off to the side. Literally, that's Anohana. There's two girls that are after two different guys that are both after the same girl. And that same girl is dead. And then there's the third wheel guy who's just kind of there. And I didn't want to leave it at that. I didn't want to leave it as I am dismissing this. It's an Anohana clone. There is still one character, Takanori, in this show that is literally the spitting image of the most annoying character of Anohana. And I will still remain to believe that they are a clone of each other. but And that main concept is there. That triangle is still there, I will admit. But the show does do different things. So don't get me wrong. This is a show about we're in an MMO game and we're trying to find out why this ghost is in here. The problem that comes from that is that it never does anything. It does get into, okay, here's the main grasp of the story. It is the senses. The senses are the main thing. These abilities that they have in the game. And it does do something very interesting with that. It's a, it's a they're trying to build on these, these senses that people are using in the game. And I'll just leave it at that. And it is kind of interesting in that regard. And it does feel like it's kind of ramping up to something towards the end. But the problem is, and is the reason why I can never really suggest this show, is that unless there's another season that comes out, and there's one probably announced two minutes later after we record this that'll make me look like an idiot, <laughs> as usual. It does one big huge reveal at the very end and at the same time resolves nothing. And then it stops. So not only did you not resolve anything, the main plot line, plot line did not get any resolution. You also reveal something at the very end to kind of say, let's go and done. It's, it's, it's kind of dirty in that regard, and I didn't really like that aspect of it. It was a cool reveal, but at the same time, if I get nothing from it, what's the point in you revealing it to me? Unless you're saying specifically go read the light novel. Uh... It's, I think the show wasted all of its time really in its game aspect of it because it kind of opens up as being, okay, here's somebody that's got an issue, she's dead, and here's everybody turmoiled by the fact that she suddenly appeared in this game. They're not wanting to believe it, but they can't deny it. And at the same time, oh yeah, by the way, kills her after her ability and we have to fight those guilds. And, oh yeah, by the way, they're overpowered, so they wipe everybody out really easily. There really is... You have constant confrontations with battles that always resolve in they're just overpowered. And it's not a fun overpowered, it's just raise up your sword and blast every way kind of superpower. Um, I did like some of the characters. I liked Satsuki. I, besides the fact that I think he's just absolute creep material... Takanori and Sasuke's kind of parallels are 
you know, endearing. They're fun to watch. Uh, no, a particular character that we didn't really think was ever going to come back towards the later parts does come back, and it is an interesting uh, add to the entire mix. But in the end, I I look back and nothing really resolved, and I got nothing out of the experience besides the fact that it was just kind of this, let's get the band back together and let's not play an uh, actual show. So I guess I can give it credit for that. It does have potential. It was potential that intrigued me at some point in the show but because it didn't do anything with that potential it went to waste so i can't say i I guess if it gets a second season and that second season doesn't just drag on like this one did and waste its time it might do something with the material that it has but as it stands now it's potential that is revealed and then just kind of running in circles until it was over so that's the kind of the big sticking point in the end so Unfortunate, Sounds like but fun. I'm glad I gave it another shot just because, like I said, I didn't want to leave it as a, it's an Anahana clone. It's not, even though Takanori is a dirtbag. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, like I said, it, it it surprised me because I didn't really think it was going to do anything. And then it said, okay. And it does require a suspense of disbelief. So okay. do keep that Out in mind going into it. Does he do the same thing as the other guy or does he do something just as creepy as the other guy? No, he doesn't do creepy things. He's just, he's kind of screwed up in the head. Like, he, he has this kind of chuny persona that doesn't let it go. And he, he takes on the fact that he's a part of this guild in the, in the game. And like, I'm going to save Asahi myself. And you just need to go back to the real world and stay away from the game world where me and Asahi could be together forever. That kind of creepiness. So he's not, he's just. But no, he doesn't do. He doesn't wear certain clothing. Yeah, I no, got, they I got, did, that's what I was. We asking. didn't go there. We didn't go there. But we're equally as creepy. <laughs> equally, see, but see, the, the question was, was, did he do something as creepy or just not? But just creepy? he did. He did sort of semi redeem himself. Whereas I don't remember the guy from Anahana ever redeeming himself in my eyes. No, so he there's just, that. He just became part of the band again. He just like, yeah, I've uh, shrug. We forgot about that, right? Yeah, that didn't happen, and then we kind of forget about it. Yeah, that that thing. Because um, because where Sakanori, I think, does do something pretty cool later on, even though it was kind of like, oh well, at least I got seconds. I'll just leave it at that. It was kind of creepy. Dirt bag. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, potential. Didn't do anything with that potential. I was intrigued for a brief moment, but if you don't do anything with that, it, it just kind of leaves me disappointed. Uh, it didn't look bad. I thought uh, Satsuki's character design was really, really cute. She was the initial draw that I had of the show. Uh, Asahi's voice, unfortunately, does get pretty grindy later on. Like, it's cute at first. She definitely does have a middle schooler type voice, but... Towards the later parts, when tensions start getting high, it's like, holy crap, I didn't realize how grindy her voice is. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the thing. So check it out if you will. Um, Seven Senses of the Reunion, or Shichi. Is that actually the title? I don't remember it being Shichi. Yeah, it is. Shichi. So I'm probably butchering that. <laughs> no, Subaru. Uh, check that out if you. I guess if you're looking for, if you liked Anahana a lot, I don't. I can't say that it's a bad idea to check it out. Um, don't expect Anahana. Um, 
but you might get similarities there that you might actually enjoy. And I'm not saying that there's no connections there. It does kind of do something similar, which is kind of cool. It 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 does pull on the heartstrings, especially early on. The idea of like, oh crap, they're literally in this game, and there's somebody that's passed away that's with them, and their kind of struggles with you know dealing with that. So, yep. Next one we have is Happy Sugar Life or Suguru Life. This is the Japanese title. It's just really pronunciation, anyways. Uh, this streamed on Amazon, ran for twelve episodes, done by Studio Izola. And the source is a manga, and the genres are psychological horror. Um, and with that, I would put in there that there's warnings. This is a show that is about violence, very grotesque violence, abuse, substantial abuse, even having rape in there, murder, all that kind of stuff. So, we will be talking about that. <laughs> Anyways, this one follows Sato. And Sato is this girl who has always been popular in school. Everybody sees her as being like this very gorgeous girl. Uh, she is sort of like a, a, a neighborhood bicycle in certain regards. Everybody kind of sees her as being the girl that kind of switches boyfriends a lot. She's looking for love, probably incorrectly. Um, at some point, she stops. She, the boys are kind of like, "Hey, I want to go out with you," and she's like, N- "You know, I, I don't, I don't need it anymore. I'm, I'm happy." And everybody's kind of like, well, "Not really sure what what she's talking about." She's, she's found some kind of happiness. Uh, well, we find out that when she goes home to her apartment, all alone, uh, she is greeted by a very cute little girl named Shio, and Shio, in a sense, is as the title would kind of leave you to believe, is Sato's happy sugar life. <laughs> uh, and thus begins this adventure of seeing what is going on with Sato alone with this girl named Shio in her apartment that seems to have some bags in a room that's locked up in some side of the room, the, the apartment. And her adventure is going out into the world and running into the most despicable people of mankind that she's constantly having to... Uh, converse with or work with all to struggle for the moment that she can get back to her home where she can open her door and be greeted by her happy sugar life and happiness mm-hmm. and refill her jar with sugar because yep. they keep showing that whole analogy of putting the sugar in the jar before she goes back out to the bitter world that she has to deal with it, the, in order you know, to support her happy sugar life. You know, my biggest problem with this show was that you already get into the problems. So, it was so short. I mean, it was like about four or five seconds worth of show, and then it was all over. It, it's really, really, it was a short show. I don't know. It was cute, warm fuzzies when 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 Sato walked through the 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 door, and then you had this really happy moment, and then it was over. And your 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 brain kind of blanked out for the rest of it. Oh, there was more. Yeah. I guess this show kind of is in, it's a show of many arcs, and I I would kind of sum up the arcs as being kind of the, let's introduce Shio, let's introduce Sato, Um, let's see where Sato Sato goes to school, let's see where she goes to work to kind of support her, her living in this apartment alone. Let's go into some of the characters she kind of interacts with on a regular basis, let's go into... Shio's brother, who's kind of looking for her. And then it kind of gets into why Sato is kind of the way she is. Why she sees the world as being so bitter and how she sees Shio as being this this beacon of hope. 
let's go into why Shio is technically there. And then it kind of just goes into this whole moment where everything kind of comes to head and then it comes to a conclusion. I was very, very surprised this show actually had a conclusion. <laughs> I, I thought the manga was still ongoing and I really wasn't sure if we were going to get a solid conclusion. Um, there is, and again, like I said, this is probably going to be this one that we're going to get into a spoiler discussion on. There's arguments to if that conclusion is concrete enough for some people, but I think it was a more of a conclusion than I thought we were going to actually get. So, um, and I, and I do kind of section it even differently than that. It, it is a show that has three different atmospheres, in my opinion. Like the very beginning of the show is really, like I said, it's about Sato supporting the life that she has and us all kind of being trying to figure out what the hell is going on we're, we're trying to find out what's in the bags in the in the, the hidden room why is Shio here and then we're kind of being introduced to all these different side characters who are all like really royally messed up and almost felt episodic in nature because it would kind of have her go to work and then we see Toyo who's this blonde kid that gets completely destroyed by their manager and then it goes back home. And then she gets in, and then like the next episode is her running into a teacher who is a, a dirtbag. And she kind of pushes him off. And then she goes back home. And then we find out about Shio's brother. And then Sato goes back home. So it's kind of like this constant her running into people, seeing how dirtbag the world is, and her getting refreshed by going back into her home. And that was kind of that first segment of it. And to me, to me, that was the best part of this show. Because it to me it was almost like an anti um, Mushishi or an anti um, Natsumi's Book of Friends, like the absolute opposite of that, where it was a dark um, uh, Sato is kind of this, for a lack of a better term, a uh, an antihero where she was she was um, going up against these evils and she would uh, solve the she was kind of like a evil detective and she was solving the the crime and then she, but she was the more eviler evil and she would always da- uh, take down the bad guy and that's funny because i always thought that mishishi and natsumi had their share of dark episodes so <laughs> well, but i do agree that the tone is extremely more goth and darkish right. than natsumi and and mishishi i completely disagree i, I think i think the not completely. I, I hate when people say completely because it's not really completely. Um, I disagree to an extent because I believe that that first segment felt very cheesy. And, I, and that's that's a funny thing because I don't – I felt it was cheesy and comical. And it didn't prepare me for what they kind of did in the later half, which was where they kind of said, no, this isn't going to be just a fun – let's laugh at really crazy messed up people and the world is dark like Inyashiki levels of everybody being disgusting human beings that she runs into. Um, but it almost felt episodic in the idea that every time she ran into something, it was like, yeah, we're, we're comically dark, dastardly, uh, almost super like comic book, super villain kind of stuff here. Uh, the professor guy cackling in the dark room kind of levels of comedically dark characters. But I, I wasn't, put off by it it was still it was still fun to kind of see this contrast of the dark world here's some sugar the dark world i was fascinated by sato's experience of dunking back and forth between the dark and the light 
and that that's what kind of kept me going seeing and and like i said laughing at this i was literally laughing at how comically over the top everything was even though literally what happens to her coworker and the manager was really wrong the way that they mess up this boy is just brutally wrong he is he is completely screwed up and they're not afraid to kind of get into that so and that was kind of the thing that even though i did have my misgivings with it i thought it, it did not prepare me for what like i said it completely transitioned when it goes from that episodic feel of diabolical bad guys to suddenly I know we're kind of revealing the backstories of these characters and why they are and how they got to where they're at. And then it got really stupidly serious because it kind of drug out a certain scene a little bit too long to the point where it was like, oh, this is what you want to do. Okay, well, I hope, and it was literally this moment of the story, I, I said to my, I said in my own mind, I said, okay, you better commit to this. Like, the writer, I hope that you're, you're willing to commit to this, because you went from comedic to serious. You better commit to what you're doing right here. And it did, to an extent. I think it did because of what, that the characters still recall it and that was kind of all I really wanted I'm not happy about it and I don't think that was the intention of the writers for me to be happy about it I was supposed to be unsettled by it and in the end do I think it knocked it it it, it nailed the ending more than I thought it would is all I would say <laughs> I still want I got what I got plenty of what I wanted and I was like, okay, I'm not. And like I said, it's one of those struggles because I, I, me and Chris have had this discussion before where it's like, if a writer doesn't do what I want him to do in the very end, do I say that that's a bad writing? And I think a lot of, I like, I, I want to say that a lot of people do get too caught up in that. Like they believe that because I was on, because I didn't want, the writer didn't do what I wanted him to do in the end. They didn't say what I wanted him to say in the end. I don't like this. I don't like the writing. And I don't want to do that, but I do. Feel, I did feel like I was going to do that at the very end. I it, the emotions were there, and I, and looking back on it now, it's one of those things. Where like if you if you think about it, if a story does make me unsettled, but also makes me think and makes me critique what is going on, but not to the sense that I feel like there is a that something was written incorrectly or or contradicting himself it's good that's solid am i happy not really but that's not really i don't think that was intended <laughs> so i i do i do respect that i i had that i was able to sit here and think on this this long to figure out if i am i happy about it or not i i just go into the last latter part because it it became progressively more and more dark and I got into a frustration point where I was what I was like I said I want I liked that first few episodes and the way that it was playing that off and as it became more and more dark and it went down a path that really wasn't reflecting the first few episodes I became more and more frustrated and at some point um a very very uh, key event the key event that Andrew is mentioning made me very uncomfortable and I really, really shut down and I did not want to see the latter part 
though I stuck with it and I did not get an ending that I was satisfied, I was happy with. And does that mean it's a bad show? No, not necessarily. It just means that it was really, 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 really dark. And I didn't care for it for that reason. That's it. That's, I think, the fairest I can be on that. Yeah, it's funny because it's one of those ones where I think it's all in how it's portrayed because technically the beginning parts of the show was equally as dark. You had a boy right. getting raped. You had uh, what you assume is something in some bags in a room. You know that something went down. So it's not like the tone – it's not like the actions changed. We still at the very beginning were like, this chick killed somebody, didn't she? Um, we're convinced of it. We're like literally – she has to be trying to hide the evidence right now. She has to be. There has to have had something gone down. Where are her parents? Who? Where is Sheila's parents? Something went down. Nothing technically changed. And like I said, there's a, literally a boy who's trapped in a locker in the manager's freaking uh, office. This is a nasty show. But it was how it was portrayed felt more, uh, well, okay, this is, this is funny. Like, this is weird. This is weird. I, but I the later parts, like I said, the way they drug out a certain scene was like, like I said, I told myself, I was like, you better stick to this, Ryder. You better do something with this. And, and, and I don't know. Because you're ticking me off. You're probably ticking everybody off right now. I don't know that they were, they were, and, and that maybe this is something that we need to discuss in the spoiler section. Maybe you were right. And it, maybe this is worth actually having a discussion. Oh, you know so that we're going to have a discussion about this. Is... The my frustration was like I said I think that the entire show storyboard wise shifted somebody yeah. changed the way that the writing was being done they, they it went I was sold an episodic show that like I was describing I got a totally different type of narrative in that second half that to me was really the shift. And that's the only thing that I can really point at as is, is it, does it mean that I, I gave it a, no, I think it was dark and I knew it was dark and I accepted how dark it was, but it's way of telling the story was okay to me at that point. It was not so okay in that latter half. I did, I did have a feeling at certain, a certain point of the show, cause I knew it was coming. I paused it and I was like, I, I I wanted to pause it and go, do you just want to leave? Because you know what's coming. <laughs> do you want to stick with this? Do you want to stick with this transition? And and I didn't. So I don't. I wonder. I want to say that during those first, it was like four or five episodes. I believe in my mind I was getting bored of it. So I do actually, as much as I didn't like where it went um, emotionally. It, I do want to say that I don't think that I would have liked if it kept to that kind of, again, like we mentioned, it wasn't necessarily episodic because it was kind of, it did have a through point, but it, it had a, it had a, a, a crazy person per episode kind of feel to it. And I don't know that I would, I, 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 I think I would get bored of that. Like, I think, I it, think, I, like I said, it was comical. I think I agree with you too, because it, it, it was an interesting, to me, it was an interesting concept. And I wanted to see it through. And, and yeah, I agree. That I think that's the main reason why I pushed through the last part is because I wanted to see this this thing that they were doing and what how far would they push it. And well, it was a desire for closure of characters, whereas if it kept doing what they were doing before, it was just really introducing a lot of characters that were just right. broken. 
And I don't want to just see a bunch of broken characters. I want to see them do something with those broken characters. I agree. I think that it, eventually that that would have been something that would have gotten boring. And it would have been... To, to me, I was looking at more of kind of a, a different take on Death Parade. I, just something that was different. And I thought that this was doing that different thing. And that's what interested me. Not necessarily... And I agree with you. It probably would have gotten boring, gotten done after two or three more episodes. So who knows? I I think the things that I appreciate the most about the show is it is an interesting dive into uh, mental instability. Um, there's characters that are very severely abused, and I while it is fictional, um, it does it does have compelling. R- some comparing character development in that sense of being broken. And as much as he is creepy as hell, uh, Taiyo uh, Mitsuboshi is probably one of the more constantly changing characters of that shift, that mental shift that kind of happens. And I thought that was a prime example of what was interesting and intriguing about that. Seeing, getting into why Shio was there was a huge mystery to the entire uh, storyline. To finally get some kind of uh, reveals into that was was fascinating. Uh, even Sato and and her aunt was was so creepy, but at the same time different. I and yeah, like I said, it, it does get it still does get comical in how over the top these characters are just broken there there's literally only one not broken character in the entire show i would argue chris would probably argue there's two but i would argue that there's literally only one sane person in this entire show i said if you want to get technical of one and a half okay one that is almost okay (laughs) (laughs) there's only one there's and, one person who's okay. One that's almost okay. No, I wouldn't even... I would argue against that. We could probably get into that one after because I'm pretty sure I know which one you're talking about. But but my point is that even though they are technically over the top, it is, an, it is a fascinating look into abused minds and how they are kind of drawn to each other and how they affect, how they kind of clash heads. How each of their... In particular... Like, like I mentioned before, having Mitsuboshi, who is... Uh, technically raped by his manager, how he then at that point views older women. He's terrified of them and how that affects his interactions with the other characters. It is it is disturbing and it is also kind of fascinating. But I would put that as a warning to anybody. Like I said, rape, violence, abuse, and just utter mental destruction that these characters have is is technically very disturbing. And it is is a interesting dive into it. This, these are the kind of stories that I only really run into in mangas. And while they are technically not happy shows, or you know, no pun intended with the story, uh, the tech, the title of the show, they are the kind of manga that is like, wow, I kind of want to see what this disturbing character is going to have to do with as a character. And it always ends up in violence and is disturbing, but at the same time, it is kind of fascinating in that regard. So if that's something you're looking for. Um, I think it's it's a solid show for that, and just keep in mind that it it is it does it has some scenes in it that are very uh, gut wrenching, uh, very uncomfortable to watch. So, and I hearing hearing Chris say that it's really easy, but hearing me say it's a wholly different cake. So, <laughs> I I think Chris is disturbed by a, a somebody bumping into a lolly and they hit the ground. <laughs> um, Andrew, it takes a little more for Andrew to be a little bit disturbed by that kind of stuff. So. 
Anything else to add to Happy Sugar? Well, like I said, we'll do a spoiler discussion afterwards. Yeah, so. I think we're good. Okay. Again, Happy Sugar Life. Check it out if any of that we sounds interesting to you. We gave it about 20 minutes anyway. <laughs> I knew it was going to get most of the show besides maybe Planet With. So. Next one we have is Ungol Moise, Record of Mongol Invasion. Uh, this one is Ungol Moise Ginko Kesinki. Uh, this one is streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes. This was done by Studio NAZ. And the source is a manga, and the genres are action, military, historical, drama, and samurai. And if you're looking for the warnings for the show, expect plenty of war-type violence. Uh, being that there's samurais and stuff, swords, lots of beheadings, left and right. And carrying around those heads, too, because they seem to present every single head back to the family. It seems to be a thing that they do to bury them, so. And with war comes rape. Yes, there is. It doesn't really. Sh- I don't remember the, showing don't, any of it, it but they it. implied plenty yeah. of it, um, especially towards the end. There, kind of got me a little mad. But hey, it, that's it. So yeah, uh, this one for those who don't know uh, covers the Mongol invasion of Japan, specifically the first island that the Mongols invaded for Japan. And this one takes place, of course, in ni- uh, 1274. Uh, we follow at the very beginning a group of captured individuals who are uh, being exiled and uh, specifically we follow Jin Zabaru who is the a previous member of uh, important guard for the shogunate and he of course did something kind of find out later on what he did but he ends up on this kind of prison ship as well and they come to find out they're not just being brought there to be exiled they're being brought there and then immediately enlisted to protect the island against the oncoming Mongol invasion so it's like, okay, hi, you're all exiled, but at the same time, you're going to fight for us, and you have no choice. And being that Jin Zabaro is kind of, he does feel kind of duty-bound to protect and likes to uh, fight things, uh, He's he kind of takes the head at lead of most of all the fighting, um, jumps right out there and protects what he needs to protect. Uh, and immediately, we kind of follow the So Clan, which is who they immediately join and meet, we meet uh, Sukuni So, who is kind of the big head of the entire group, and also Teruhime, uh, Teruhihime, who is the princess. And we kind of meet them. You kind of have some exchange between Jinzaburo and uh, Teruhime. Teruhihime. I'm going to keep... I'm just going to call her Teruhi. Just call her Hime. Uh, Hime, princess. yeah, there you go. Hime. Uh, has some exchange between them. And then kind of the interesting thing that kind of comes of their exchanges is that he's kind of... She sees him as being... Uh, she can rely on him. And so, at the same time, he also runs into uh, Kagesuke Shoni, who is the high general of the shogunate at the current time, which is the Kamakura shogunate. And uh, Kagesuke tells him, I'm going to go back to the mainland. I'm going to gather members. And, of course, he knows him because Jinzaburo was part of them as well. Uh, I'm going to go back to the mainland. I'm going to get people. I'm going to come back. Please hold them off for at least one week, and I'll be here. And I will, I will help you. So Jinzaburo takes that and says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a week. I'm going to protect this island for a week. And so, like I said, he goes with the So clan to go help them. And eventually they run into the Toy Barai, Barai clan. And they join them. And so on and so forth. Uh, being as it's the, <laughs> uh, the initial Mongol invasion, um, it is kind of, it is not a, it's kind of touted as being a historical fiction it's not completely uh, factual. It's kind of does some anime things. 
But I think overall, it was a really interesting look at the initial Mongol invasion. It was one that I was kind of expecting not to be a happy ending. It's one of those ones where it's like, I know this is not going to go well because... The you Mongols. Know, they were, it's the Mongols. <laughs> uh, you have not just the Mongols, but all the other people, the the mercenaries and everybody else, they've kind of whipped into shape to to assist them as well. Being kind of in that era of getting into gunpowder, explosives and stuff like that, it doesn't really go well. But it was a – that's also what kind of makes it fun as well is it also – it is – technically an underdog underdog story it is literally it i love how it captured that essence the right. underdog story it it, it showed it, it gave an a a glimpse into japanese innovation in in ways that is not not really shown very often and at the same time you have the brutality of war like Andrew was saying, this underdog story that you don't really capture very, and it holds that essence the entire time. You're going, wow, how are they going to get out in this this case? What are they going to do in this situation? Oh, wow, they 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 really pulled that off. That's really kind of cool. Um, and a lot of cases, it just breaks down to uh, Jinzaburo, and he's just that hacking everybody in half. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, because he's, uh, I forget what it was called, but he's a certain type of uh, sword style, and it's its very brutal and quick and, and strong. And like I said, it, it does it does play very well off on the idea of the underdog, because it, it literally is them with all odds against them, and it's it comes down to his wits in combat versus just pure numbers and, you know, brutal strength. Utilizing terrain for their advantage. Um, one of the main things is Jin Zabaro seems to have like a really keen eye for terrain. He's able to kind of map it out really, really uh, perfectly. And it kind of surprises the locals how it, he can pretty much tell exactly where the mountain ranges are, where's the ravines, and what things he can use to his advantage. And that kind of seems to be his kind of um, uh, forte that helps him kind of turn the tides of the battles. If I had to give the show a critique, um, well, I would probably give two main critiques, and it's one is hopefully going to be remedied by if this ever does get a Blu-ray release, and that is that I was not really sure what NAS would be able to pull off, because it is a fairly new studio, and it was a very, you know, it's a high-stakes idea to do a show like this that is very grand-scale wars and be able to pull it off well. It does do a lot of the whole characters kind of stunned with you know and arrows flying overhead filter over and over again but i think it always kind of kept a pace of feeling like there's action and and combat happening it wasn't until probably the last three or so episodes that you really kind of felt like they were either becoming fatigued or running out of time or it was catching up to them because you had a lot of here's a character reacting to somebody falling off a cliff off screen. And when you don't see what's actually happening, you're only seeing the reaction to what's happening. That's when you know something's going wrong in the animation department. But I think overall for a good majority of the show, it did keep me, it, it, it showed enough that I knew what was kind of going on. My other critique would be, again, it would be one that would not be probably fixed unless they were to add new scenes. And that is the fact that, it almost felt like it was hard to tell where we were at, what what position we were in, were they doing well or not. And I guess that is technically due into favor the idea that they didn't know if they were doing well. They didn't know where they were at. They didn't know if they were winning or losing. But there was times where there would be a show up of, say, like the Toei Bari, uh, Barai clan 
who are these people? It didn't really give me enough to, idea to know what the uh, political system was. And maybe that's just me not knowing enough of their history. And maybe in Japan, they know this history very well. And when they see the Toy Badai clan, they might go, oh, yeah, that's that clan. So obviously, they're going to show up. It didn't feel like they really explained that well enough. And I don't fault them, like I say, because technically this is a Japanese story. And I'm not completely versed in the in the uh, happenings of politics and whatnot at that time. That said, I did find that kind of collaboration between the clans and the the choices that each clan was making based on their beliefs was really cool. And it was something that kind of added an extra flair to just constant skirmishes that were happening between the Mongols and these these Japanese citizens that were uh, taking up arms. Uh, it was a cool story. I really liked it. Um, like I said, the animation fell off, but I think they did way better than I thought they were going to do with this whole thing. Um, I really liked the characters. I wanted them to win in the end, and that's that's saying something. There was a few parts that I had to, I kind of had to laugh at, like these really skinny women that were jumping on this catapult and somehow launching boulders off of it. I'm like, no, you use a counterweight that is a gigantic boulder. You don't use women pulling down the, <laughs> the catapult. Uh, so there was some points where I was like, yeah, that was probably a dumb decision to make that, but we'll laugh with it and move on. It was only a brief second when they showed that. Um, but like I said, I had a lot of fun. It was a cool little period piece. I know that it's not all uh, factual, but it was. It, I think they pulled off enough um, of the time period that I felt it was a pretty compelling story, and uh, I was rooting for them. Visually, for me, I thought it looked absolutely gorgeous. Um, for the most part, I, d- I didn't catch much of any of these problems. One thing, however, that did really bug me was the filter, and I know what the filter was there for, but I found it very distracting. The filter is there to make it look like it's kind of a um, a story on a scroll. And it does look really pretty in that, that respect. But moving objects and the filters not moving made it very distracting to me because it always looked like it was moving in the opposite direction. And that's that was my own own little thing. It didn't bother Andrew. I, I think Andrew really, really liked it. And... So it, it was just me on that one. I like it. it was an artistic choice. I didn't actually even notice it. Like, you know, <laughs> I just want to jab there. <laughs> like I said, if you're looking for a cool little period piece, uh, if you're looking for samurai, we don't really often get samurai, especially in more of a serious tone. I think the last one we had was probably the, uh, um, that, uh, what was it called? The one that we, we were the only one that watched it. Oh, uh, the Onihei. Onihei, yeah. Kind of in that kind of we time period. We got made period, fun of so. for that. <laughs> what's an Oni what's an Oni uh, really cool show that's a period piece that we don't get much of so check it out yeah. obviously cool there's a reason we pointed it out just saying Engelmois record of Mongol invasion like I said if you're looking for that kind of a show definitely check it out Angolmois uh, Genko Kasinki I have to admit that I really did like the little moments of uh, Himei Checking on Jinzabarov, see if he's breathing. <laughs> make sure he's alive. Just to make sure he's breathing when he's sleeping. She was so getting awesome. up really close and I, I actually on. I love those two together. I think they are great. I I, I totally ship those two. Granted, they're pr- pretty much canon, so I I don't think that's really shipping. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like it it almost feels like throwing a little bit of moe into it, but at the same time, it's like these are people too, and they probably had crushes. She and was probably totally obsessed with him. And she definitely felt like a 
isolated princess kind of yep. character, so I can definitely see her and he finding was, him. And he was charming. the dark horse that just she yeah, just her. was fascinated with. So yeah, yeah. she was crushing. I, I especially like when the uh, revenge boy was I coming in. I just love in. the way she w- she would turn Sundete on it every once in a while. It's just so perfectly done. <laughs> I I do kind of wish that we gotten more out of her. Um, be- just because she felt like she had a lot of potential in the story. But like I said, it it almost feels like they were trying to not do too much to pull from too much fiction. Um, because I'm not sure exactly how much of the story is technically available to know of what happened. So, because it was technically a it massacre. Does, it does have a lot of potential in the respect of character study. You could actually dig into Hime and actually... I was also very ideas out there, you know, one other thing. And I'm so glad I didn't forget it. I will say there was one very, very big battle or duel, so to speak, that they didn't even show. And I was very disappointed in that. Um, They had one big technically uh, supporting character that was going up against a very big bad guy. And they literally didn't show it. Yeah. They literally no, said kind of what happened, and that was it. And they didn't even show it at all. So I was very disappointed in that. And I, I was really, I was hyping up for what that fight was going to be. And we didn't get any, to see any of it. So that was that was kind of disappointing. But uh, it didn't ruin the show. It was just one of those kind of things like, oh, you're not going to show us? Really? Okay, whatever. But then we get kind of treated to a pretty cool fight that also had some struggle with animation at the end of it. <laughs> Uh, hopefully the Blu-ray will fix a lot of those things because I think it's a it's a cool little cool little find. So that is Angelmois Record of Mongol Invasion, Angelmois Ginko Kasinki. So there you go. Moving on, we have Planet With. This one streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for twelve episodes, done by Studio JC Staff. It is an original, and the genres are action, mecha, sci-fi. And this one follows Soya. Uh, Kuroi, who uh, Soya is a boy who is at the very beginning we kind of find out that he is supposedly from another planet that was destroyed by a gigantic dragon and he is now living on Earth where he is bunked up in an apartment with Ginkgo, a goth lolita outfitted girl who makes them food and translates for a gigantic no, she doesn't cat named sensei she makes vegan food yes well she makes food it's just the food does not have meat in it no meat none so. whatsoever but anyways uh she also translates for a gigantic cat that they call sensei yeah 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 this is weird just stick with it stick with me here to add to things uh, every now and then, these gigantic forces suddenly show up. Not really forces, but gigantic kind of crafts that kind of float in. Kind of, If you've ever watched Neon Genesis Evangelion, it's kind of like the angels. They suddenly appear, and they're walking towards towns, and you know they're not good, and they must be destroyed kind of things. And they're called the nebula weapons. And these nebula weapons just kind of show up out of nowhere, and they kind of slowly move into the areas of different uh, Earth habitats like different cities different towns all across the world they just kind of show up and soya is enlisted by sensei and ginkgo to jump inside of sensei and not stop the nebula weapons 
but stop the people that are stopping the Nebula weapons. <laughs> so you're kind of, it almost feels like the very beginning, like you're following the bad guy. Because you see these Nebula weapons coming in, Mankind's kind of freaking out about it, and these these group of, uh, what was it, like six people? These, this group of six people jump inside these big kind of uh, robotic, I, don't, I can't call them robotic, they're just kind of big, huge uh, battle suits, so to speak. They all have different shapes to them, they don't look human or anything like that. And they go out and they destroy the Nebula weapons, but then here we are following Soya, who gets eaten by Sensei, which makes him turn into one of those kind of suits, and he goes in and beats him up and steals their powers. So you're like, okay, wow, we're kind of following the bad guy, it seems like, because they look like they're good people. Uh, the interesting thing about the Nebula weapons is that they are... Whenever they touch people, they seem to give them their desires in a dream. So they see, like, very early on, it. they have a guy in a, a jet, and he flies through it, and he suddenly sees himself going to see his wife. And he's happy and he's content. And he comes out of the, the Nebula weapon and goes, guys, I'm go I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go see my wife. And so he just flies off in his jet. <laughs> They're like, where are you going? Uh, and they kind of see later one of the main characters uh, of the team that's trying to stop the Nebula weapons. He sees uh, his brother who died uh, trying to pull somebody from a burning building. He was a firefighter. And he kind of had that sense of kind of him finally seeing his brother and he's content with it so there's almost this feeling of them getting trapped in these dreams that's just kind of the the sense that you're getting like these things are kind of giving them dreams they're being destroyed and at the same time soya is destroying the people that are stopping these things so like i said it it, it was from the very beginning felt like it was very much so like you're following an anti-hero but you know we're like eh, we'll probably eventually find out that sensei is doing this for a good reason we'll never see um but yeah, it was kind of that that had me a little intrigued. I think at face value, the key art for the show is very cartoonish. It feels very Sunday morning cartoon looking. And that was a little bit off-putting, but it kind of had this little this little bit of layer that was kind of peeling away slowly. And I was like, this could possibly either be the most interesting show of the season, or this could be a standard mecha sentai go out fight big gigantic being that's attacking the town uh typical work here and i think as the show went on it was slowly kind of peeling away these layers of the kind of this onion and slowly peeling it away and revealing things slowly and surely that it was one of those shows that was it it, it turned into easily the most fascinating show of the season um, I, I, I've had a couple people that I've talked to in like Discord and stuff like that, and they'll ask me, "Okay, what's the sh what's your show this season?" It's Plant With uh, Spoilers, <laughs> and it's 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 because it w it did so well in creating intrigue. I want to know what was kind of going on in this world. It did well in presenting a pretty large sized cast of characters who all had their own. Uh, desires that were kind of revealed, thank mostly thankfully to the or thanks to the uh, their fighting the nebula weapons. Like I said, that that whole revealing of their kind of inner desires kind of gives you a full backstory idea of each of these characters. Like two particular characters who go do judo together, and they're kind of viewpoints of themselves and their partner. Those were kind of things that were slowly kind of revealed at the very beginning, almost episodic. But always having this through plot of here's Soya coming in to trying to 
take that power from them. And I was intrigued by it the entire time. I'm like, Sensei and Ginkgo can't be bad people, but they're kind of pushing Soya to doing this thing that almost seems bad because aren't these Nebula weapons evil? Are the, Is this group of, the best way to describe them, like almost Power Ranger-ish characters that are fighting off the Nebula, Nebula weapons, are they good? Their boss guy looks pretty gruffy. <laughs> he, he looks like a villain character, but he technically hasn't done anything bad. So it felt very neutral for a long time, but always having this sense of why is everybody fighting well, each other? And yeah. I like that kind of intrigue that was slowly peeling away those layers all the way throughout the entire story. And then eventually getting to the point where it kind of takes multiple factions and kind of ties them all together in a way that was very much so satisfying. Yeah, I was, I was, all I was going to say is that even in the end, can you do me a favor and bring up the, the list of the shows for the season? Even at the end, I don't think that they ever actually kind of, even then did they have a real bad guy. It was, it was all in the gray. And I, I think that that was brilliant of, of this show. I, I kind of agree with Andrew. I think that out of all the shows this season, this is the one show that I would say kind of just popped out of nowhere. I was it was not, the hidden gem of the season. It was easily. the hidden gem. It it I I I that why I wanted Andrew to bring up the 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 season list is because when I stop and think about it, I actually think I agree. I don't. I can't think of a show that actually pulled. Well, I'm off. always right, so pulled off actually getting <laughs> you don't have to respond to that i didn't respond <laughs> um i i can't think of a show that actually did pull off going out of its way to break the mold for this season randomly um i i when i was when started this i was i was trying to run through my head what it what would have been high say. score girl but he couldn't watch that one that's true I could I I was trying to run through my head of things that because I personally I think that it did really well. It it was a definite surprise of the season. I was not expecting this this show to really take my attention the way it did. At the end of the show, I don't think it was the best show of the season, but then but now that I think of it, I can't think of any show that did actually oversell itself, um give itself room to move gave me a nice happy ending that i was like wow this 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 really pulled it together it had a cool little twist at the end um like like we were saying a few minutes ago there was no real bad guy it was really constantly delving into well it how do you feel about this well how do you feel about this who's the bad guy here and and you're constantly shifting your I almost want to say your your loyalties were shifting here and there, but it wasn't really your loyalties. You always felt the the main group is obviously the good guys. Um, so you were constantly wondering what what is this guy really the bad guy? No, he doesn't seem like the bad guy. And even when they explained his ideals, you're like, no, he wasn't really bad. He he was doing this, and and you all the way up until the end you you were doing that the whole show so what was also kind of cool is that you had these moments of kind of like you know overcoming something that you like i said you thought was the goal but then in the end it always felt like uh the main character felt it was like unsatisfying like this this wasn't it and the main the main themes that it seemed like the show kind of plays off of is like individual sense of justice revenge 
things that kind of pull people together, whether it be like revenge, things that can kind of keep them together, like forgiveness. I, I think this had probably one of the most um, touching moments of, of forgiveness that I've, I've, I've seen in anime in a while. And I really, really like that. out of the park. That was a great scene. And I, and I, and I, that's one of those things that I kind of really respected for it. This show isn't trying to be bigger than it should be. It, it isn't trying to be too much. And I think a lot of shows, they try to push to be like smarter than they really are. They're trying to make you overly think something. And I, and I don't think it's, this show is trying to do that. It's like I said, it's slowly kind of peeling away its layers and in, to its heart that I think it's it's very honest with what it's doing. And it's a very simple thing that it's doing. Like I said, justice, revenge, and forgiveness. I think, like I said, those are the three things that I think this kind of pushes. I think you can also argue a lot of the characters kind of deal with fear and um, accepting certain things. Coming to grips with what they're kind of dealing with. Like I said, the whole thing of, of, of desires that these nebulas are kind of dealing in. And like I said, it, it, it shifted quite often. I think this show had like three total really big shifts the narrative is completely changing and going from collect uh stealing to almost revenge and combativeness to recollection to uh, a more grand scale of of a story that it's trying to tell and it's it's kind of piecing all these together with uh with really well t- uh a really fascinating way of putting it together. One of the cool things that I got out of the how how they it move it shifts from one narrative to the next narrative is is really cool little uh almost a breadcrumb where it puts the breadcrumb in front of you and and you're like, "Well, that was kind of a cool little reveal." And then you realize that that is opening up an even bigger box. And you, then you get to the end and it's putting that little itty bitty breadcrumb there and you open up that breadcrumb and find out it's a huge box. And, and that, that I think is really a cool thing that it does. And I, we can go into that later if we decide to discuss this one. Um, I, it depends on if you're going to argue with me that Ginkgo is best girl this season. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the Kuma girls are probably best girls. I think Ginkgo probably had easily this year alone and unless unless i get reminded of something that i'm forgetting from her this year i think her story was probably the most fascinating of like any she had the strongest story character sure. of this of this but year cute, cutest is gonna have to be the dog girl i'm sorry one i mean well yeah i mean if, if you're just going for a single moment yeah it was you can't beat dog girl but at the same time <laughs> ginkgo is kind of cat girl so it's cat girl versus dog girl always i'm always gonna pick my um, girl Goth Lolly to outfit versus kind true. of uh, and that's why I went, that's looking why I, went with, I mean, if we're going to go with cute, I mean, I'm going to go with my, my Kuma girls. I mean, I, I love, I, I think two of the most funniest part of the show is like just the every moments where uh, a particular character who is very Sundere, uh, so to speak, wags a tail. <laughs> they always have to point it out. <laughs> Your tail's wagging. <laughs> so Sundere. And uh, they had like a, a a brief uh, they had a time jump which was really cool i always like time jumps um not like we're not talking about we're doing time leaping here um just a we're going forward in time a little bit and they had a interesting uh idea of how inflation is going to happen in japan because things are going to start costing like thousands of dollars just for food at a food stand i got i got a huge kick out of that 
Yeah, I I think the only thing that I could really say down the show is I I'm not a huge fan of CGI. I think it did a good job in it because better uh, than most. Yeah, it, it, they were really they were cool action scenes, even though they were CGI. I, I was a little annoyed by the fact that it was always like insanely loud compared to the rest of the show. Like you could have it turned up to hear the characters talking, and then suddenly on nowhere kaboosh like five times as loud like the literally the the sound levels just jump like seriously high and so you then you'd have to kind of turn and it down poor bass box over um, there was having problems with it no i didn't have any problems with it it's just it's just loud <laughs> yeah in the end like i said it is it is easily my favorite show of the season it it was easily the gym of the season it is the one that probably did the most interesting stuff only uh the only other one that i th- was figuring would do some interesting stuff was Revy Starlight, and I think Revy Starlight did do a lot of interesting stuff as well. I just think Planet With pulled it off better and made it more a lot more entertaining. If it, to me, I think that the only one that it could really compete with was probably Angamois, and I just don't think that I, I I that one's coming back for another season, right? Then mm-hmm. that's what it said. I didn't see that, and and I don't think that the story was complete on that one. Well, it. That you can only really do so much with that. <laughs> well, I agree. It's, it's defend, it's defend the island and hope you don't die, kind of thing. They don't have listed as a, a sequel here, so yeah, that's uh, Planet With definitely a really cool show, and uh, I recommend it. I think it was a really, really cool concept. So yeah, cool stuff. As as Sensei is saying, I just translated everything that Sensei was saying. Did you? Yeah. All in that, yeah. This, that that one yeah that was that entire review was what he said there, so so is what and so he says. So says it's yeah. Cells at work is our next one. We're gonna go into or Hataraku Saibo. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll, run for thirteen episodes. The studio is David Productions, and the source is manga. And the genres are comedy and shonen. And biology, I guess, <laughs> if that's a genre that's going to become a thing now. Hopefully. And platelets. Uh, yeah, genres are platelets. Yes. There should be a moe, genre named platelets. Uh, lolly platelets and uh, moe microphage. I think the cells were more, the red cell was the most moe. I think microphage is just um, sadistic. Creepy. Maids. Scary. Sadistic maids. Or crazy, violent maids. Scary. Yeah, this one is about the cells in your body. It is uh, basically red cells, white cells, platelets, killer T cells, all these cells that make up your body, that make your body function or keep it functioning or possibly could do damage to your body is the way it's functioning. Uh, They're all personified as anime characters and maids and lollies and everything in between. You need to take care of your platelets. This is important. No, you don't. Don't cut yourself to give platelets work. That's the that's the thing we're we're yeah, we don't making sure them, we don't want to make them work hard. That's the thing we're trying to get across to everybody. Don't cut yourself to make platelets happen. It's not the same thing. This is fiction, people. <laughs> For majority of the show, it kind of follows Red Cell the most of the time, uh, as she's kind of transporting oxygen and stuff throughout the body, as Red Cells do. And her constant running into different viruses and stuff that seem to 
find its way inside the human body and doing damage, and then white cells showing up out of nowhere and eviscerating the hell out of them and blood flying. Funnily enough, red blood flying out of viruses and splattering all over red uh, white blood cell. <laughs> okay, we do have technically cells being represented as humans, so there. I guess there's a joke, Andrew. Why not put that aside? Anyways, it's just a funny thing I thought of. So you basically, like I said, you're you're following her. She's kind of running into different things that are happening within the body, and the the concept of this is technically every episode is essentially kind of introducing how cells are coming to be. What does the body do when certain things happen? How does the body respond to allergies? How does the how does the body uh, respond to uh, you know skin being damaged and uh, blood losing blood and all these different things, how the body is functioning, how it's killing off bad things, and all being kind of entertainingly personified as different, these characters that are kind of just trying to do their job. Like like I said, Red Cell is trying to just do her job. Her job is to get this oxygen or whatever, or nutrients from one location to the other while observing different things that are happening to the body and how the body is reacting through control rooms of office workers and stuff like that rather than just seeing boring little cells running around in a in a uh, uh, a microscope so what's your thoughts on cells at work i thought this show was brilliantly done um but i i think that the, i i love the way that they 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 pulled off giving each one of these uh these things a story um having these little itty bitty wars that are going on in between um, uh, you're, uh, popping up with pneumonia or staph infection or strep throat or something like that. Just all these different little things that are popping up and how the white cell jumps in there and, and, and fights against it. What happens if you get cut and the platelets are pulling together and, and they're, they're, they're just so adorable to watch them, uh, uh, make a big old blood clot and, and how that works and, what it is that's actually happening when the, these things happen. It just was so cool to see this all personified. I learned so much just by watching this show. Now, whether I agree with how they portray everything is beside the point, but I think it was well done and they actually tried to make it entertaining and actually pulled off giving a story to what's going on here. A lot of things that I thought were particularly fun was like uh, watching how it, it portrays the body overreacting to allergies, uh, watching it basically tell what happens when a body has a cancer cell. That that kind of stuff is technically pretty well done because I know you can make the argument of like they're they're trying to make you sympathize with cancer and it's like no it's, it's technically uh, showing you that the cancer is technically a mutation of what you already have in you. And it it technically did it properly. Those kind of things were really coolly done. I I had a lot of fun. There's there's um, there's actually a guy on YouTube who is a doctor and loves biology, uh, cell biology, and he just was having a huge blast with it. So you have a, a cellular uh, a biologist uh, geek doctor who is is giving a stamp of approval on how it's kind of reacting to different things. And it is definitely one of those ones where as I'm watching through it, even though I hated biology in school, uh, I did 
pay attention and I did recognize a lot of things that were happening and and I followed like okay here's the T cells and I'm like holy crap T cells are cool but they also are very aggressive I know what they're they do so it's like okay they're gonna get, are they gonna take out somebody they're not supposed to take out or whatever they're very they're very effective in what they're doing and just watching those kind of things watching microphage and what how it how it shifts when it changes to a different atmosphere those kind of things are like oh yeah I kind of remember that from school and it's like what is one where like I wish I had this manga when I was in biology. <laughs> I don't. I would hope that it was all solid and I wouldn't fail a test. But at the same time, I recognize everything, so I'm hoping. But at the same time, is my answers in my test saying and the cute little platelets right in and and, and caught the 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 damage? Would that go over well with my my teacher? Um, I could totally see this being one of those things. I think my biology teacher was cool. I got to be like, here, let's show this in class instead. It was very uh, clean as well. I mean, it was violent because you literally had, like I said, white blood cell comes in with a combat knife and just shreds a bad guy, uh, which a virus that is personified human looking, or not human, but humanoid looking, cutting him in half and blood just flying everywhere. There is that aspect of it, but other than that, it wasn't. It didn't have any nudity. It wasn't uh, in, in nothing questionable in that regard. It was just kind of violent because there's cells killing other cells or, or viruses and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. I the only negative I would really give it is there was a couple of the stories where it got a little bit too drug out with kind of like some backstory of how cells are certainly made. Um, a lot of the battle sequences. I thought were way drug out. It almost felt like they were literally trying to make a pretty quick uh, story panel or, or a, a, a quick chapter of a particular happening in the body fit entire episode. So they would like, okay, we we have like another five minutes, just make the fight longer. And so a lot of the fights were like, okay, we, we get the point. We get that he's fighting the virus. Let's kind of wrap this up and move on to something else. Uh, so I did feel quite often, probably very often, cases where I'm like, fights are going way too long. Let's let's wrap this I, up. I could agree with that. It, they were they were kind of in that realm of like, if I wasn't watching with someone else, I probably would have popped f- for a couple seconds and just if anybody says anything, stop and see what they're saying. But let's get past this and move on. In particular, the one that I can think of off the top of my head would probably be the cancer cell. Um. I think that one drug out. Yeah, way the, too the long. fight itself. Yeah, um, like I said, the, the, pretty much most all the later ones felt like they were just a little bit too long. But that said, I thought that it was very clever. I, I thought it was a really fun look into the human body, and this person needs to take care of himself, better care of themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, and it, it got pretty, pretty grim in the later parts of it. I, I was surprised how very grim it got, and. I guess that is also another one of those ones where it's like it felt like it went on a little bit too long. Like you probably shouldn't have done two episodes with this particular arc. But the, at the same time, it did make it really feel dire. And I wasn't really – I didn't think they would actually do that. And they, they pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, they so, did. Cool, cool little insight into what your cells are thinking and how absolutely moe they are. Don't cut yourself to get platelets. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Don't cut yourself to get platelets. It's not going to work. Your platelets are not cute Moe girls. It's time to face reality. It's time you're, to face You're ruining my, my, my happiness. Shut up. 
We're going to have Death Note notebooks on the news all over again. This time, kids cutting themselves to get platelets from <laughs> cells at work show. <laughs> I don't want that. We don't need that. Stop. Put it down. Let's move on to more Moe things. One Room Season 2. Yes, One Room second season is here. We've watched it. We're here to give you the insights that you need. This one streamed on Crunchyroll. Thank goodness they, they got this one. Uh, it ran for 12 episodes, but they also had an episode zero that for those that watched the first season would be happy to have because that episode zero technically takes the very first girl from the first season and takes her to the next level. So that was cute. Um, and then like season one was, we have three new girls in this second season of One Room and each one of them gets four episodes each, thus 12 episodes. And like we said with the first season, if you have not seen anything One Room, uh, One Room is technically a it's, a... it's an original that the way they tell these stories are in first-person view of a protagonist character who has an experience with a particular girl. Like I guess at three in this season, besides the Zero episode, which was a continuation of the previous season. And this season we have Yui Hanasaki, or Hunas Hanasaka, uh, Minori Nanahashi, and Mashiro Amatsuki. And these three girls all have their own little stories. And like I said, they're told through a first-person silent protagonist viewpoint. Even though every now and then it kind of has some weird random side shots and stuff like that to mix it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, this one was... Uh it's, it's more of, of what One Room was. And I, like I said, I, I think I said in the, the first season review as well, it is creepy. Um, but I, I'm fascinated with it at the same time because I do think that there is some interesting ideas behind it in a storytelling perspective. I'm just waiting for them to kind of pull that off. There was a couple in the first season that were kind of cute in that regard. I especially like the childhood friend one. And even though I am a sick, twisted individual who viewed it differently than what it was intended. I really love the second uh, arc in the first season because I looked at it from the vantage point that it was a sister exploring the room of her dead brother's apartment. And it made it really, really cool. So it's just my mind making things more cool than they actually are. Uh, in this one, I did the same thing afterwards, and I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I pictured the first story of Yui as being the story of a silent protagonist who is being stalked by a girl named Yui. And to the point where she actually uh, pushes herself onto him and invades his home and everything. The second story uh, was of a middle-aged janitor who works at this guy's hot spring inn who is constantly confronted by the hot spring, uh, or the, uh, hot spring manager's daughter who is really bored and being promiscuous to this poor middle-aged man who's working as a janitor. And the last one being a recruiter who is acting like he likes a girl who could be a perfect candidate to be an instructor, a uh, gymnast instructor. Each one of these stories is not going to end well, but it makes it more interesting in that regard. Uh, because I, I don't think they're really going for anything. They are very cute. And I think the thing that I'm always drawn to with these ones is that it has the same artist as the one that did Haneko. I love the character designs. They are absolutely adorable. Uh, the voice actresses are great. Um, we, I think Critch mentioned 
again, in our first impressions that we have uh, two saves that we absolutely love. One voiced Rem from ReZero, which I absolutely love. One voiced Megaman and, you know, Takagi from Great Teaser Takagi-san. Really great seiyus that we absolutely love. Um, So they're really cute characters voiced by great seiyus. It, It is technically fantasy fulfillment. This is, in a regard, a lot of people would see as being something that just, you know, lonely men would come home from work and watch these to be fulfilled and being pursued by some cute little girl. But at the same time, it is, it is cute little storytelling that is, is charming in the regard. Unless you're us and you realize that instead of becoming more, um, alluring as they go, they progress in the story, they become more guarded as, (laughs) as yeah, you, you, we we went from Chris, put a a ring on Yui's finger and suddenly she (laughs) wants to cover up more. Yeah. It was literally, it was literally like the whole first season was Chris going, holy crap, you are so unguarded, girl. You are so (laughs) unguarded, girl. Like, especially that first one that we got that episode zero of was like, holy crap, this girl, you are in danger. You need to stop being so open to these guys that you're running running into. Don't just walk up to somebody's home and say, hey, I know you're going to the school. Help me get into it. Uh, And this one is like, totally was much more guarded and it felt like they were being much more less etchy the first one got pretty etchy with it um this one felt a lot more etchy especially the end cap uh images very very conservative this time which they weren't very conservative in the first season uh but they're a lot of fun i mean if you if you just go into it lighthearted, you're not going to find compelling storytelling here they do have little cute little stories with each one of them like i said in the first season you had like sister going over to brother's house and one was literally a girl trying to get help get in, into it to a school. This one being, you know, childhood friends and the girl works the hot springs. Is she is she going to take it over? The girl who wants to be a gymnast is failing. Why don't you be an instructor kind didn't of thing? She, so. Didn't she get hurt or she got hurt and so she had to stop and so she was giving up on it, wasn't she? Yeah, she was trying to find a a typical job kind of thing, so... They're, they're just kind of cute little bite-sized stories that are kind of in there. But, yeah, I'm not going to deny it. They do get really, really creepy with kind of the, the viewpoints that they give. But it's fan service. That's what you kind of expect from something like this. But, yeah, they're they're cool little shorts. They don't take much time if that's interesting to you. I, I think it's really also kind of a, one of those things that you might see more of in the future. Because there is a lot of uh, – we were mentioning in that last discussional podcast this whole – uh, these tools that this particular studio is creating is for making it really easy for creators to create first-person perspective storytelling, and that's going to incorporate uh, VR as well, possibly. Um, there's a lot of these kind of story. To, uh, the the guy for Spice and Wolf, they're they're making that new Spice and Wolf story to be a first-person perspective storytelling, and it's really cool, and it's something that's going to come in the future, and I think it's uh, a fascinating little thing. So. Check that out if you will. Anything else to add? No, that's no. pretty much it. It was it was adorable and and pretty. Yep. One room season two. Check it out if you if you will. Steinsgate is our last one we're getting into, and I put this at the very end because some people can see it as being slight spoiler to the story, but I it is technically its own route, so it really doesn't have nothing to do with the conclusion or anything of the original Steinsgate, but. If you want to go into Steins Gate pretty uh, unknowing, I think it's really beneficial to you. So if you ever plan on actually 
watching Steins Gate or the visual novel, um, you can kind of skip past this one. If you're interested into our split discussion that we'll end up doing with uh, Happy Sugar Life and maybe Planet With, I will put uh, timestamps in the uh, the show notes or the website article for this and in the um, the actual iPod, whatever app you're using for your 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 podcast listening, we'll have it in there. So you can check that out. But yeah, Steinsgate Zero. This is Steinsgate Zero streamed on Crunchyroll. It ran for 23 episodes. It done by Studio White Fox, based off of a visual novel. The genres are sci-fi and thriller. And this, of course, is a side route of the original story of Steinsgate. And this one particular one, uh, we kick things off where Akabe returns back in a time machine after failing to save uh, Kurisu. And he's very broken by the idea, and he's he's giving up. In this particular arc, he is giving up. He is done. He's tired of being tormented by this whole situation. He's watched it happen so many times. He's afraid of having the same thing happen with Mayuri and her starting to get killed again. So he's decided to let Kurisu die and save Mayuri and just let it be. And of course, that would be a really boring story if we left it at that in one episode. So uh, going forward in this particular arc or this particular route, we follow as um, the main kind of storyline it goes through early on to not get into spoiler territory is Okabe decides to go into college, get his mind off of things. Uh, he gets rid of his old persona of Koyo Hoi, I can never pronounce that. Ho and Koyoma. Yeah, Koyo Kyoma. He says it really weird. Just find a sound bit. He does it so much better because that's technically what everybody loves him for. He gets rid of that persona. He becomes really serious. He ditches the whole lab coat and just goes into college. Kind of leaves everybody behind and just goes and does his own thing. Uh, eventually to the point where he catches the attention of certain people. He goes to this uh, this particular um, demonstration that's being done by some people that used to work, work alongside Kurisu, uh, Maho and Alexis, uh, who are from another country. And they are demonstrating a particular piece of software that they're working on, which is the Amadeus. And the Amadeus is a technology... Amadeus is a technology they're trying to present to people as a way of uploading your entire brain and all the data within your, and all your memories into a AI that is almost like a backup of your brain. And they present it and it ends up being uh, Kurisu who has been backed up into this particular program. And this is kind of a little shocking to Akabe because he finally, let Kurisu go, and now here she is in front of him. But of course, it is an AI, so there's kind of that struggle there. Um, and after kind of getting to know Maho and Alexis and them kind of introducing him to this particular software they kind of develop, uh, he's kind of keeping secret to the fact that he does know her in a certain way, but he doesn't mention that he did meet her in order to kind of get in and converse with them. Uh, eventually, he gets a, an app that will then have her kind of be able to communicate to him on his phone. And so early on, it kind of has this whole thing where you're you have a broken Okabe, in this kind of broken route of giving up, being reintroduced to what he kind of let go. That is, it is a it's an uploaded. It's supposed to be AI, but it it acts so much like her that is it is making him literally struggle with his decision. And at the same time, you have Mayuri who is is being supportive of the decision that he makes. 
Uh, Suzuha, of course, is very much so against him making this decision because, of course, she came from, as we know from the first season, we she came from the future and she knows that this the time travel they were doing eventually causes World War Three, and she does not want that future to happen. So she's imploring Okabe to continue what he was doing. So yeah, that's that's kind of where things open up. Um, and that kind of is the gist of things early on. I think it's about the halfway point they start getting into in a whole other arc with the introduction of a certain character who shows up that does throw a bit of a wrench into the whole mix. Um, and eventually getting into kind of the final arc where everything kind of comes to a head. <sighs> do you want to do you want to start this one or I don't know how comfortable you with and jumping I, in on this one. <laughs> uh, I will try my my hardest. I I'm I'm very mixed on this show. I I think that it added something interesting to the mix. I I do think that they dragged out a lot of it. I and and this this goes back to I guess the original show's problem is there's something about the writer that that they they have a habit of dragging out these issues for a really long time and trying to delve into it but never feeling like it actually is getting into the meat of the problem it's ne- never feels like it's actually digging into okabe's issue it never feels like it's actually it it's just it's just right there and it's like you have something here that you can really really dig into how does okabe okabe feel about having this AI that is Kirisu. How how does he feel about um uh where where he stands with Mayuri? It never really feels like it's digging into those. Um it it it, it introduces Maho but never actually discusses anything with her. She is just there as this thing that has brought um, uh, Kirisu or Amadeus to Okabe. That's all she's there for. Well I think I think I think that's kind of, in my opinion, not truthful, just because I think Maho was the only character that really did see development because she was really the only true new character of the story. And she, a lot of her struggle was in that she was never Kurisu, basically. And that, that I think there was plenty there for her. Right, but I don't feel like they ever actually dug into it. That, that, that was my problem. It, they didn't dig into... Uh, I thought they did. I didn't feel like they did. She was just there as the um, the Amadeus, uh, a way to introduce uh, Okabe to Amadeus. Um, and, and that was my biggest frustration with the show. Otherwise, I do think that it did add something to the show. My problem was is that it 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 just felt like it it was twenty four episodes, and I didn't really get into any of these characters, which is really what I wanted out of it. Yeah, my, my takeaway in that one was just really the idea that I think Maho was the only character that technically did get character development because all the other characters are already developed. And that is the show's strength is the idea that this is a good cast. Every one of these characters are great. They are characters that we that we got to know in the original Steinsgate series, and they're all fantastic characters. I, I love every one of these characters. And so Maho being introduced was just like, it almost felt like, okay, this is like her arc. Let's just follow her arc. And this is, this is Maho's arc. And that's why, like I said, I I felt like she was the only one that had development because technically she's the only one that did have to be developed. Uh, All the other characters, you knew who they were. 
And that is the show's strong suit, is it has strong, great characters. But at the same time, while I, I thought the beginning of it was very strong, I was fat, I was just totally hyped to get into another story about Steins Gate. Um, it just felt like it kind of, it took off. And I was like, cool, what are we going to do here? I'm loving my Yuri. We, we technically, we, we kind of traded off here because in the original series, we, we didn't really have much of my Yuri. It was all about Kurisu. And in this one, it's like Kurisu's gone. So it's all about Mayuri. And I'm loving it because I love Mayuri. And so I finally get more of Mayuri. And she's just, she's so supportive. And she's just like, yes, best girl right here. Um, but at some point, a certain point into it, it felt like it was just not doing anything. It felt like it was literally just spinning in a circle. It was, it was just spinning its wheels. A lot of people like to reference. It just, it was stuck in place, and it, and it just kept repeating the fact that Okabe is struggling with this, and everybody knows that he is different, and they, they want to know what happened to the old, the old Okabe, and here's the Amadus, and what does it mean for him? He's really bummed out. Um, and it, it just didn't feel like it was really doing anything. And it wasn't until like the very and I and I and yeah they do introduce something halfway through it. It made me shrug. I it, it wasn't fascinating to me at, at all. And I and I know it was a, it was a twist, but it wasn't fascinating to me. I didn't care. It wasn't until like the last four or so episodes where it just it kind of just took off. It went full throttle. It took off. I it had a moment of like yeah, there's that character. And then it was over. And so looking back on it, it's like, I don't really feel like I got much excited except for that very last part. Like the rest of it felt, it, it was literally one of the, and it sucks because I, I love the original Steins Gate and how it ended. And I, I, I had my struggles with the first half, like a lot of people did. And I, and I, I kind of thought that I wanted more, but at the same time in the end, I look back, I go, I didn't get more. This 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 was literally almost like they just kind of rehashed things just for the sake of just kind of bringing the band back together. Give me a slight little different route and put the button on the end of it again. It's like, and I look back, I don't think I got anything out of that except for a pretty cool little energetic little ending there. It felt like a waste. It felt like I got nothing new out of this. And I, looking and going, holy crap, that's right. It was 23 episodes. <laughs> is a huge struggle like 23 episodes and i got and i felt like i got nothing out of that that's that's a struggle now at the same time i was never suffering watching this show it's just i didn't feel like i got anything out of it and the only reason i don't think i suffered through the show is because i like the characters i love these characters i wanted something new every now and then i got something but overall it wasn't technically worth it if i could it, it it sucks. It's almost like if I could tell my older self, my my past self, if I can send it a email, <laughs> I would say, just you're not gonna really get anything out of it. It's not bad. You're not gonna get anything out of it. Just watch something else for those twenty three minutes of your or twenty three episodes of your life. Go go find another experience because this didn't really give it, you it, a new experience. It's one of those frustrating things. You, you you sit there and you think back on what happened in the show. I can think of maybe three or four major events in the show in this this particular part. It, they didn't it, take 23 episodes to do it, I bet Exactly. <laughs> it didn't take 23 episodes to do this. And that, but then you think on, on the first first 
part of the show. Does it's it's almost the same thing. But I think that in the first part of the show it was almost necessary because there was a dire need to go through that issue with uh Okabe. But that first part was not necessarily that, but that was also the introduction to the characters, where you didn't have that really with this one. You have you have two, three new characters that you have to introduce, and they go pretty quickly as far as introductions are concerned. Yeah, one they didn't actually technically do much with for introductions. <laughs> uh, Pointly for a reason, but... Uh, like I said, I, I hate being negative on this because I know that people love Steins Gate and I think it's like sacrilege to even say anything negative about it. But like I said, it wasn't terrible. I, did, I wasn't suffering through the show. But at the same time, I don't feel like I got anything out of it in the end. Um, and that's not to say it's a bad show. It's just it didn't do anything that surprised me. It, it was just more Steins Gate um, that didn't didn't surprise me at, at any turn point. And I think I think. Steins Gate's technically known for surprising people. The original series surprised me. It it threw me through a loop. Um, and it also struggled on the idea that it, it technically had a whole kind of broken record moment. And it kept doing the same ending. In it. And every time it did the ending, I'm like, we're going to do this again, aren't we? <laughs> and I hate that that has that feeling, but it technically had that feeling. So, whereas I think the first season pulled that off very well. You were struggling with him. You wanted that, you wanted that, you wanted that Steins Gate to happen um so yeah that's that's steins gate zero i don't really have much else to say about it um i think if you're a huge fan of the steins gate series you probably watched it already and i think if you're a huge fan of it you should watch it anyways even if we are negative because i know most people already loved the, the thing um it just it turned out to be probably my most most anticipated but least uh most disappointing of the season and i'm sad about that i i i wish i got more of it than i did so that is, that is what it is. It is what it is. Anything else? Nope. No, no. Again, that's uh, that's all the shows we have for this particular part of our summer 2018 anime season reviews. Hope you guys enjoyed all of those little run-throughs. We're going to go through a outro, and then for those that have watched Happy Sugar Life and want to listen to us talk about it, we might talk about Planet With. I'm not, I haven't really decided yet at this point. Um, expect uh, some talk about Happy Sugar Life, though after the music ends. So we hope you guys enjoyed. Again, we're at talkaspirit.com. You can go there for all my news and old. Great community in the form links at the top. Social media links on the right side. All that good stuff. And you all take care. Oos. Do
here, and I thought I was we were gonna end up talking about Steinsgate. Oh, for the the I don't have anything to talk about. I really don't. <laughs> there's, it's, it's literally there's nothing to talk about with Steinsgate. Uh, yeah. So, um, Happy Sugar Life. Are you ready to discuss? happy sugar i i think my biggest question again uh if you haven't watched happy sugar life i guess the question is if you're ever going to watch it uh i know that a lot of people are probably not going to watch this because i i've mentioned all these bad things that happen and you probably don't want to watch it but if you have any inclination to actually watch it you don't want to listen to anything that we're talking about here in a minute so spoiler warning going forward uh i just want to know what what would have made the ending perfect for you that's that's all that's the golden question what would have made that because I mean, for those that for those that are don't care about spoilers, I I want to f- I know there's a lot of people out there that are like I don't even care about spoilers. Let me know what happens. To set things up, we literally had, like I said, we had that almost kind of comical portrayal of these messed up people. The point that we were talking about that really slid, like I was mentioning that that made me go, "You better commit to this writer," was when Sato kills Shoko. It was be- it was not the fact that she killed Shoko. It was how the show portrayed it. It it stuck on it. it. You you watched her literally claw at life. You, she it was this drawn out, very uncomfortable scene of her struggling to even survive. And like I said, it stuck to that scene, and it was very uncomfortable. And so from that point on, it was literally I don't want this sh- for me. I don't want this show to end with Sato. Not imprisoned or dead. I, literally, I want her dead. Like, as much as I liked their dynamic, it was fun watching Sato and Shio. But the moment they showed how long and drawn out that kill was, I wanted the show to end with Sato dying because that was very uncomfortable. The way they showed that scene. I, so what I, was what was your desire from that point on? No, no, I I, I was already shutting down on the show. That that, that was my problem. I like I said you shut down before yeah before that before she killed her now that that scene was just kind of the icing on the anti-cake I already was hating the show (laughs) and and I I just became angry after that I that that is the the point in which I can think of that I went from so it was the backstory of Shio and Sato that was was killing it for you yeah that was the the before point like I said I I I was fine with the show being this, this little reverse detective type show once it stopped doing that and it started becoming this really really dark show i started shutting down on the show when when shoko's death was just the point in which i became angry at the show and i literally i gave this show so much leeway and going through no, there was no redeeming the show for me. I was already pretty much checked out at that point. I was really, really angry with the show, and I became more and more angry as the show went on. But what was your ideal ending, though? What? what so there was no. Yeah, it was, that was the close. That was the closest. So thing the, the, the fix would have been the fix would have been for them to go back to being <laughs> episodic. Yeah, your your episode, weird detective yeah. thing that you were making up for the exactly. first part of it. That that's about as close to a, a it, that's what I wanted out of the show, and I it, it stopped doing that, and so what? Well, whatever. It I, was so funny because it was at some point I made up some joke about um, them doing a whole uh, what's the the two chicks that drive off the cliff in the <laughs> little car the 
And I and I turned around. And I like they're totally doing it. Yeah, they're, they're doing totally the whole, doing it. Doing the whole drive off the, the Andrew, cliff. Andrew it. goes into this weird weird thing. I'm like, no, I was talking about the the uh, the two ladies jump driving off. The, you you said that's what they were. They're doing it right now. <laughs> it was uh yeah it was, and it was funny because at some point I was like it was I guess it was the point in which uh, the brother finally confronts Shio and it was like she's going to kill her brother. Like, this is how they're going to end the brother. They're going to have her kill the brother. And that's going to, that's going to make me more annoyed. But I'm like, but that was, that was the point which I'm like, this show has to end with both of them. Then at this point, they're, they're so trying to make them out to be this romantic survival pair. And I was frustrated because I'm like, don't make them the romantic drive off into the sunset together and survive everything. I want Sato at least dead. Otherwise, again, if they did that, that's the writer's choice. I'll still be frustrated, but it's not that I think it's bad. It's just, it's just that I want to feel satisfaction of Sato dying at this point. And my point to the, I hope the writer commits to it, is I was afraid they would have a scene change and then Sato go right back to being Sato and completely forget the fact that she killed Shoko. But I like that they kept her remembering Shoko. And I, it was, it was satisfying because I wanted them to give her at least a little bit of humanistic attributes. Like I wanted her to acknowledge that she was, she still likes Shoko, and to have her completely just ignore the fact that she killed Shoko and that she was just another obstacle gave her more character to feel like Shoko wasn't just an excuse to have them forced out of the building. I think they did pull that off. Um, and I like I do, that I she was think... constantly remembering her and she had to go back and dress her. It was, it was again, very unsettling, but at the same time, it didn't just sweep her under the rug. It also, it also, I think that that was kind of the cause that f- forced Sato to, realized that she was doing it to protect Shio and if she went ahead and jumped off the roof and died with Shio she was doing exactly the opposite of what she was originally intending all of this to be for was to protect Shio yeah and I liked that they pulled that off so I guess in a way that was probably (laughs) good I was like don't let them fall into water and survive an 11 story fall and just again right off the sunset of and then thump. I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> it's, it's done. <laughs> Suddenly Sato appears in a nurse outfit and takes Chio home. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. Um, no, it was, for those that are wondering, yes, Shoko was the only character, in my opinion, that was normal in the entire show. No, I do not believe Shio was normal. She was broken, too. No, she had she a was very skewed. Broken. They were, and then she after, was just as broken as Mitsubishi. After the whole uh, Sato thing, that that was what finally completely broke her. She was completely broken at the end of the show because Sato ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the thing is that she was technically traumatized by her mom, right? And she was morbid at the moment that she was protecting Sato, and that was the point, which is like. And yeah, you can you can chop it up as being well. No, she that's just her world. That's her world. She's not. She she wasn't raised in a normal know what's wrong and what's good scenario. She knows nothing but wrong, 
And so that's just how she was raised in this environment. She, but that's she, the whole point of trauma that all these characters technically went through. It's just that they went through something that was really screwed up. Yeah, she wasn't allowing herself to see evil, and that yeah. was that was her kind of hiccup. And that is what made her this kind of quote unquote angel to everybody. Is she refused to see the evil in everybody? <laughs> but then she. Yeah, purify me, my Tenshi. You've I've been re-corrupted. <laughs> that poor boy. He was so messed up. Uh, I, but no, I, and, I just knew it the moment he showed up with with Sato's aunt. I was like, oh my crap, dude, this dude's this dude's done. He's gonna kill himself. He's gonna shoot himself. She's so crazy too. She was so crazy. And it 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 was it was perfect that that. She, the way that they portrayed her and and I one thing that I do give the show is I think that they did really well at delving into the uh the 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 psyche of a lot of these characters. I don't think that, that they pulled it all I don't think they pulled it off all the time, but they did really well at trying to dig into their I mean, Tayo I agree. I think that he's ridiculously creepy, but at the same time I can kind of see what his mindset is. I understand Obasan. I I I can see why her psyche was making her do that. Um, I <laughs> creep out the cops. <laughs> creeping out the cro- the cops. E- each character, I can see just to the point, not all the way. And that's I guess where and what Andrew was saying, where it becomes cartoonish. I I can kind of see that. It does seem like they just push it just a little bit too far. And it's like, I don't think you completely thought that through. It, don't forget about the obsessive compulsiveness of each one of these characters. You have to get to that point. Not just become cartoonish. Not just well, make it go to the extreme. Make it compulsive. Now, that's the struggle that I always have with, with anime and manga is that they always... They're, they're, with their crazy characters, they always end up just going like that one step too far. Um, Future Diaries, a lot of those characters, it's just always one step too far. Um, <laughs> technically with uh, Lost Village, it's just like 50 steps too far. <laughs> but their their crazy characters always seem to have like that, that syndrome of just stepping a little bit too far just to be edgy or just to 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 push the envelope i don't know what they're exactly they're doing but so you do kind of have to put yourself in that mindset of yeah they technically always kind of you you mentally have to kind of dial them back just to kind of put it in that realm of believability or that that's your suspensions of disbelief is in kind of toning it down in your own mind because they always kind of push it that extra that extra point see and, and that that's that's the thing it's like with with sato it's it you could almost see exactly where her 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 mind was going in a lot of these situations and then that that shift from going from this point to this point shoko was was kind of that that perfect example of i see you going there i can see your mindset but i don't think you quite gave her the right uh motivation it wasn't the the motivation should not have been to protect your 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 happy sugar life, it should have been somewhere over here, probably a little bit more. And do I understand it? No, I'm not a, a psycho yeah, killer. Yeah. So it's like, do I think that you? I don't think you quite got it because I think there is a compulsive nature to it that that you need to get into that compulsive nature 
that's what I think pushes them over the edge. Not necessarily the actual, but like I said, I don't know. I'm not a psychotic killer, so. Yeah, that I do agree that a lot of that that element of murder is 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 often um, compulsive and. I don't. Again, I don't, I, again, I don't it's like you. I don't have the the mental state of a, a killer or anything. But I would assume that a lot of that, and you get it from testimonies, is that that element of when they do it, they have that moment of crap. What have I done? And you never really seen that with her. The perspective that we've seen of her first kill and the perspective of of this kill. It, there's never a moment of like holy crap. What have I done? It's always kind of just jump forward. Now she's you know. Lap, uh, lap pillowing Shio and not responding. And it doesn't give it enough time to kind of linger. It was spending most of its time letting you agonize as Shoko is actually dying. <laughs> um, she shouldn't have been there. <laughs> you, 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 for some reason, have been magnetized into a very bad group of uh, mentally destroyed characters. You should have just ran away from a long time ago. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, I guess that's really all I wanted to kind of jump into with this one. Again, the aunt was absolutely hilariously funny, weird. Uh, and I, I guess that that was another thing that was kind of lost in the very first episodes. A lot of the fun in the first episodes was in her manipulation of crazy people, like her kind of standing up to people and, and scaring the crap out of them um, or making them enjoy it. <laughs> like that's what the teacher did. <laughs> teacher was weird. Dude, teacher was was messed up. I was trying to find out what were they insinuating at the very end that it would would had him get caught. What was the tie that they had in with him? They implied after she fell off and they went right. into the building, I don't, I don't, they got he got caught. Did did he have? Did she have something of his? It, maybe maybe it had something to do with the the bags that she had him take. I guess maybe they found that he had discarded them. I guess I yeah, don't know. something like There's that. There's fingerprints on them. I don't know. Or maybe she um, just had this magical box that said oh yeah by the way you may want to look at the <laughs> diary it's always a damn diary <laughs> uh i don't know if i had really anything to talk about planet with i i i, I think just want to get into like the I details think the of dragon, the dragon i think the dragon part. scene was epic i really really think that that was worth uh pointing out i mean we we both talked about it the the andrew mentioned the forgiveness i i i i thought that the dragon scene in general was really cool uh having this kind of moment i i looked over at andrew and i was like oh crap i didn't even realize that but that is so true uh ginkgo was thankful of the dragon because the dragon did destroy Sirius. destroy Sirius, which was the ones who were attacking her planet and that was a really cool scene as like as as soya looks back at her and she's thanking him and you're like Holy crap, that is so true. He did protect them, and he, she was thankful to him for well, it. Well, that was that whole thing of the peeled, the peeled layers. It's like, at face value, it's like, literally, here is this, this dragon attacks his, his, his home planet, and you're like, is this a dream? Is, is this some weird thing that he's imagining that he was? Because he, he has, like, this little memory issue, if, if I remember correctly, in the very first episode, and... It, it almost feels like is Ginkgo and Sensei manipulating him in some way, and, it, and it's not as until these layers are kind of pulled away, and you're finding out that this this huge guy that's leading these this band of six people to fight the the other team, he's like a fa- a fragment of the dragon that's sent out beforehand to test them out. 
The dragon has its own sense of justice that it's trying to enact on these people. This this council, the nebulas, don't believe in his justice and want to stop him. Uh, it's getting into the two factions of the nebula, uh, the nebula, which is the the sealing team that wants to just seal them away and stop them from hurting themselves, and the the side that wants them to have their own free will. It's like technically like five different uh six different factions in the end you have yeah ginkgo's home planet you have soya's home planet you have earth you have the the sill faction of nebula you have the 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 free faction of of the nebula you have the was it technically like the the celestials or something like that i forget what they were called the, the, what the dragon was from and it's, they're like the creators and they're they're like insanely powerful people it's like it's all these factions that were just kind of slowly peeled away in this onion layers that was um when you look back on it was the reason why i'm like wow this technically was the most fascinating and multi-layered show of the season and like i said never really never really being bigger than its own bridges it it was very simple in a way as it was revealing these different layers yeah, I absolutely love the way that they pulled that off. The, the going in at, at the beginning, it was just Soya wanted wanted his revenge, and then oh yeah, by the way, reveal group that you have to that he has to fight against. He goes and fights against them, takes away their dragon powers. Oh yeah, there's a dragon. What is the dragon? Oh yeah, that's Takahashi. You go in and go against Takahashi. Oh well, he's super powerful, but he's only a a piece of the dragon. He's just a the larva of what the dragon can become. Okay, well, what's the dragon? Okay, the dragon <laughs> opens up this whole... That's what I was talking about. This little breadcrumb, which was the dragon, turns into this whole box. Okay, what's this box? It's all of this. And then at the very end, it puts in this little tidbit of, okay, that that is actually only going into the big dragon that's over here, which is going to reveal the whole kit and caboodle of everything involving this show yeah that's where it kind of expands to universes and like i said and it's also one of those things where it kind of confirms that yeah he technically is from this other planet and ginkgo's from another one and uh solidifies that ginkgo is like best girl of the entire season because she is like this like she's fun i love her kind of little uh translations for sensei and at the same time it's like that that forgiveness moment was like holy crap ouch <laughs> punch in the gut um and at the same time you have that kind of transition in time and she's dropped down her hair and you know gotta like the the, the <laughs> hair drop i love the, the, the little tighten jump they did but no even to what you were saying even then you still have to kind of tear down the individual layers there you you have to get into yeah when he did beat Taka, uh, takashi we did find out later on that it was a fragment of the dragon but it was also a a fragment that came down that was adopted by this this old man. The old man raised him as his own son. And when he beat him and he dusted away, Soya's like, holy crap, I, I killed this guy. He thought it was a human. And the the old man's ticked off because that was his son. And that, that's another layer in itself. And so yeah, all those things are kind of mixed in there. Getting into uh, you know the, the six of these members and their own little struggles they have, they're not hugely in depth but they were still like little morselets in each episode that you kind of got to see them and then even taking them further when they go into the 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 future arc um how they kind of grow up and how uh inaba and kamashiro tease soya he had something going on with them too he could have had something going on with them too 
He had an um, entire hair. He had, yeah, he had ginkgo he could have gone with. <laughs> It was it, it it really was I like like I said it this ended up being quite the 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 little gem of the season that we weren't we weren't even looking at this as far as a a show to to even consider really were we I mean well no we, like we I said when we were original the, no like I said when uh, I don't know what, what we're thinking with the uh, the preview because in the preview we didn't have anything to go by the all I had listed for the preview was that the mangaka or the writer was somebody who had a lot of really high scored mangaka or mangas that was all we had to go by like nothing in anime uh so i didn't really have anything to go by and in, in expectations for it it wasn't until we were getting to the, the preview where i was like this is one this one and like i said uh review starlight were the two shows that i was like these two shows could do something like there is something that they could easily do with this planet with show and i'm curious if they'll pull it off because it has something in there that i am seeing that could be something really cool or it could just be like i said uh let's fight and wreck a robots each episode and stop the nebulas and and game over we're done yay congratulations uh and i think it, it did end up pulling off something and it's sad because it, it, it is also it's also one of those ones where i can easily see it having gone to more things more detail i would have loved them to get more into the psychs and the the psychic powers and how he was training people on earth with that you had a time jump that they could easily have gone into um, what kind of happened in that period of time. Maybe an OVA would have been would really, really be cool. So uh, it did almost feel like we did sort of kind of jump in time and there was some stuff in there that we could have easily expanded on. But it doesn't hurt that it didn't expand I on. I think that this show could have really, really dug into different people's justice a lot more. I think yeah. that was where its real true strength was. Um, and going into Takashi and actually digging into what he was trying to do, because all it really said was this is his justice. And then when the other dragon came out and, and he was talking about his justice and that was to protect Ginkgo's planet in particular. And he wanted, uh, Soya to be his, his heir, um, and to present his justice. And it kept talking about justice and whose justice is, is right. I think that was totally something that they could have done with this. They were also at the same time hitting on themes of um, the 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 ceiling and and the pacification involving each one of these characters. What would it take to satisfy your what was it your um, your passions and your if desires, you could basically yeah, your desires and if you like could... Tadayoshi was was the harem aspect because he was he was a geek. Manga, or manga geek so he could have easily have been persuaded by just a bunch of girls in school outfits and stuff and then taking that you could have easily started digging into that and in, in different personalities and what does that mean for each character and what whether or not and and have them battle against their own desires is and also you could also dig into characters and what does that mean when they become when they become satisfied they lose like Tadayoshi him having all of his desires fulfilled made him lose his passion and that losing that passion made him he got sealed exactly he was sealed and it's really cool because it was definitely a theme of it was like the inner self and it was cool if you ever watched the the outro that's essentially what they're doing the masks uh always kind of reflects their inner self so 
it has one side of the screen is uh, Soya. He has the mask on. And on the other side of the screen, you have the character. And the reflection of the mask is their inner self. And each one of these characters had that kind of inner self that was kind of uh, reflected at some point through the uh, the nebulas himself. Uh, but I like certain things like uh, technically the old man when he went in there, it it tried to give him his desires, but in the end, his desire was his wife, and th- thus he wasn't. It didn't really affect him that much. So it's always like what the nebula believes they need, and it was always funny because that was also kind of. Uh, it, uh, that and the fact that the Nebulas don't really ever seem to know truly the full extent of the human heart. And it was always funny because whenever the Nebulas come out, there would always be like what they thought was what humans think is cute <laughs> and they'd be drawn to go to. And it's always like this is crazy concoction of, of horror uh, was always fun. So it was it was I could definitely see them diving into each one of these characters more um at the same time i do recognize that it could have easily have bogged it down so it's it's one of those kind of things of like do i really want that or would it It, would it end up being drug out because of that that's a very true statement because that could have easily if you had made this into a 24 episode show that's exactly what it would have went into it would have been an episodic show where each one of these characters, you would be digging into each one of them and their their personalities versus what what would seal them and which could be, if they were compelling little stories, I would not find a problem in that. Yeah, and and that that's exactly the thing. I I think that the the person who did the writing actually is a solid character writer, and I think that they could have pulled it off. It definitely makes me want to check out their their other manga. So a lot of fun. I loved it. I liked a lot of the humor too. It was it was it wasn't like laugh out loud comedy, but it was just kind of situational, cute comedy. I, like I said, Kaka doing his little tail wagging as he's yelling about you guys are doing this wrong, and then and then uh, Kagane would point out, uh, "Sir, your tail's wagging." <laughs> it's just it's just going crazy because he's so happy. <laughs> um, there were there were a lot of fun characters in the show, and I I, I kind of missed a lot of them. Nozomi was absolutely adorable. Um, she was tote she was the it was cool i was i was watching uh again another plug for him is nearly on red he was talking about one of the closer to the end he hasn't done his final episode analysis and i definitely was looking forward to it but he was pointing out the the outro thing as well and his he pointed out the fact that nozomi is the only one that doesn't have reflection because possibly she is who you see her she she at face value is what she is and she reveals to Soya that the reason that she is the way she is because she was an outcast at some point. She doesn't want Soya to be that way. And so she was always standing up to him. Even when he was in his dire moment and didn't want to fight anymore, she was the only one standing up for him. Uh, she was not an Asuka lately Soya telling him to get in the damn <laughs> robot or looking down on him. She was, uh, she was very supportive. So, yeah, great little cast. It was also the, the, the cool thing to kind of point out was the fact that the uh, if you notice all the characters that changed when they got older changed their hairstyles except for Hideo, uh, Torai, and and Tariyoshi, um, mainly because Tariyoshi never grew up and Hideo was already grown up. Everybody else seen maturity or whatever through their the aging. Um, I thought it was kind of cool too. So and ultimately Takezo. That was he, the other thing because they could have changed his hair too. That was the other By thing the that they. Day. That was the other thing they could have touched on some more was um, the the aspect of letting their 
anger get the better of them and how the the dragon's power kind of affected them in that anger which is i guess is the whole point of the the dragon that they the actual dragon that they they go to stop is he is like was this original being that slowly was layered on to become this bigger thing whereas that's technically where harumi was going in her letting herself get taken by this anger he, she was going the same route as the dragon and I, I think they could have solidified that more but i think it was so far back in the story they never really referenced it again which i think that would have been a cool time to kind of call back to that oh yeah that's right harumi could have been in that same situation because she could have let herself using the power of the dragon become something like the dragon that would have been cool too so yeah Planet with cool show i hope i didn't spoil it for people you should have watched it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh i guess it was there any of the other ones you wanted to, to spoiler discuss not that i know of out, outside of steins gate but i don't really have anything to say i don't, about that I don't have anything <laughs> uh i could spoil seven senses for you if you want <laughs> you can spoil that later for me all right, uh, that is that's it for this little spoiler discussion for the summer 2018 anime season reviews part two. We hope you guys enjoyed, and yo take care. Os. Oh,